wonderful to be with you again after, as Jeff said, six or seven years. I'm not sure how long it's been, but you all have not aged a day, <laughs> like me, right? Uh, but our kids have, and that's our best guess how we can piece together the last time we were here uh, was, and a lot has certainly happened since we were here. I think we came right after we had to leave China if we were kicked out, and it was kind of a crazy time. And it, it's very uh, moving for me to watch uh, that video. I don't, you, you know, as a mission, you don't sit around watching your own <laughs> ministry video and until you go back to the States, and then you, it's an opportunity to reflect on what God has done in the meantime. And we went to Taiwan at a very low point in our lives uh, as we had seen God close the door in one place. And we've been so uh, blessed by God's faithfulness to us uh, there in Taiwan. And it's a different country, and we're still getting used to it. Uh, but we've seen God continue to work there. We started a church there since we made this. We made this video like just after we were getting ready to transition to Taiwan. So that was in 2014, and that's home to us now. And we started a church there uh, called uh, Throne Baptist Church, and uh, um, we're seeing some good things happen there. We're still praying to see a revival there in Taiwan. Taiwan, the fruit so far seems to be a little slower coming. People aren't quite as responsive as we uh, were maybe used to in China, uh, but we know that. Um, God could still do a great work in Taiwan, and we're praying to that end. We'd, uh, we'd ask you to join us in prayer to that end. We're continuing to help in, in Harbin. Some, a lot of those guys, those uh, Chinese brothers you saw in the pictures, um, I spent a couple years, our first few years in Taiwan, I pretty much spent every morning on Skype. Or uh, Skype was an old-time version of Zoom, for those of you who don't know what that was. <laughs> uh, and so we, we would spend uh, time and, and training and uh, preparing them for ministry, and now a lot of those, several other churches have been started there. And, in Harbin, and there's a lot of people there we don't know, but we're so thankful to know those brothers and be encouraged um, by them and their faithfulness. And it's so great. I'm so thankful that Jeff extended an invitation for us to come back and visit you all. We think, I think about this church a lot. It's just such a joy uh, to be here with you all and to uh, preach God's word to a church that I always feel like likes it. <laughs> you all like it, you know. So I don't feel like I bring you all bad news, I bring you all good news. So that's always great. Pray for my, my leg. I hurt my leg doing something. Very athletic. Going upstairs. Uh, in Taiwan, we live in like a high-rise apartment building. I take an elevator everywhere. So I don't walk upstairs. And I, you would not believe how many stairs are in this country. <laughs> unless you had not been in this country for a while. And I came back and uh, I'm not old. I'm 37, you know. But my, uh, but my knees disagree. So pray for me. Let's look at the book of Numbers this morning. Numbers chapter 6. So I just tell you that, so if I fall over halfway, then you know what's going on. Uh, Numbers chapter 6, um, and uh, I'm going to look at uh, verse 22 to verse 27. Uh, there's a song that's out now. Some of y'all may have heard this song. The song is taken from this, this passage. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 to verse 27. Someone called this the priestly blessing or the Levitical blessing. This is a blessing that God gave to the children of Israel, and he instructed um, them, the priests, to use these words to bless his people Israel. So let me read this for us. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. 
You know, in 2020, I've, I've been uh, enjoyed hearing some testimonies in, from some of your lives about uh, what God has been doing um, in this church and in your lives over the past few months. And, uh, you know, it's harder to believe that God's plans are on track or that God's in control in 2020 than maybe in the years past. You know, when a car is driving smoothly down the road, right, and it's just kind of going a straight line, smooth sailing, it's easy to believe that there's somebody who knows what they're doing behind the wheel. When you're going 100 miles an hour down the side of a cliff, it's harder to believe that the person who's driving, like, knows what they're doing. And so as our car, called, I don't know, the world, is like just going down a cliff right now, it's very difficult for us to believe that, uh, it may be harder for us to believe than ever before that God has a plan and that that plan is on track. We may even be foolish enough to believe that we could maybe do a better job calling the shots around here, that we could do a better job than God uh, making decisions about things. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning, about who's calling the shots and why that's a good thing. You know, just on, it would be a disaster it would be a disaster for you to control everything in your own life, right? I know we think that, right? We like to think, like, if you imagine, like, the control room of your life, of all the stuff that's happened in your life, it's probably like the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, you know, like a bazillion knobs in there. And you think, man, if God would just turn his back for a second, I could sneak in there, and I'd start fiddling with stuff. I'd fix it real quick, you know? No, you wouldn't. You'd crash the Millennium Falcon in five minutes, <laughs> right? And now I'm not just talking about you. Like, I would, too. And everybody you know would, too. You could get an assembly of the best and brightest in the world. You get a bunch of Nobel Prize winners, and they'd ruin it, too. They would wreck everything that they touch as well. It would be a disaster for us to be able to control all the circumstances in our lives. And so where does that leave us as Christians? Maybe you've had this experience or something that happened to you. It was the thing that you wanted to happen. And then it turned out it was actually a disaster, right? And then sometimes we had something happen to us we thought was terrible, and it turned out to be... God's great grace to us, right? Now, what, what should you gather from that? That you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you, please do not flunk the lesson that God is teaching us in 2020, because we don't want to repeat this class, right? <laughs> One of the lessons you ought to learn from 2020 is what? We don't know the future. And in our human arrogance, it is all too easy for us in a normal year to believe that we can pretty much tell what's coming down the road. God says, oh, really? Try 2020 on for size. You don't know. Remind us who we all are real quick, right? And that's why as Christians, we come back to this and we say, you know, the only thing we can do is trust God. We can trust him with our future. And here's this thing, now, so much so, if that's really true, and I really don't, I don't even know what's good for me. I don't even know what I need for the future. And that means, what do I need? I need, not only do I need to trust God with the future, I need to ask him, like, what kind of a future I need. I can't even, like, uh, trust him to bring me the future that I want, because I might, well, the future I might want might not be the best future for me. i got to trust him even with that. And that's why one of the things that Christians say is, God bless you. Now, why do we say that? Why do we say, God bless you? Because we're saying, I don't know. I don't know how God ought to bless you. I don't know what he's, I'm not saying what God do, just God bless you. Ever somebody like share, like overshare and tell you this big complicated thing about their life, and you're like, well, God bless you. <laughs> I don't know what someone like you needs, but I know you need God's blessing. We're saying, let's just put that in God's hands. Let's him deal with all that mess, right? Now, this is interesting. In this passage, God fleshes that out a little bit more. And he says, here's the blessing that you need. That's what he tells his people. 
Don't just say, you could, let me give you a little bit more. You can just say, you can say more than the Lord bless you. He says, you can say, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee, be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. He says, you can say all that. That's all good stuff. That's safe. I want to do all that for you. What does that mean? God gives them this, because God's saying, this is what I want to do for y'all. Now, see, we modern people, we don't really believe in blessings and cursings anymore. But if you read your Old Testament, especially, or in the New Testament, one thing that's very obvious is that ancient people believed in the power of blessing and cursing. So what did that mean? That meant, you know, here, we have it a little bit in our culture. We say happy birthday. I might say, Trisha, happy birthday, right? Now, what, am I, what, I'm, what I'm saying, I wish you a happy birthday. I hope that today is going to be a good day. Do I know it's going to be a good day? No. So we say happy birthday, Merry Christmas. We also have some cursings where we say drop dead or go to that unpleasant place, right? We, we have, now we say it, we don't necessarily believe that's going to happen, right? But see, ancient people, when they said it, they, they thought that them saying it, might call that into reality. Now, was that real? Well, probably for most people, no. But for the people that knew God, yeah. it wasn't just like words. It was a prayer. When they said the Lord bless thee, that was, like, uh, was kind of like an indirect way of praying. They're saying, Lord, bless this person. They're saying, Lord, bless you. What they're really saying is, God, bless this person. The Lord keep you. They're saying, God, keep this person, preserve this person, right? So we might call that a wish prayer. Their blessing was really kind of like an indirect means of praying. And so, yeah, it might come true, especially when God says, let me give you the one that I want to answer. Think about it. God says, you can use these words to put a blessing, to put a blessing on my people. And that's safe for you to do because that's the blessing I want to give them. That's my end game. That's where I'm trying to take them to. That's where I'm moving them to. So there's a lot we can't know about the future, friend. A lot we can't know about the future. And let me tell you, don't kid yourself either. I'm, I'm all for you having a sense of calling or leading or direction or guidance or whatever you got going on in your life. That's good. But that, that, that's good as far as God saying, I want you to do this. You say, I have a response, but I need to do this thing. But if you're going to tell me that you know what that's going to lead to, I don't believe you. You don't know. You don't know what you're doing right today is going to lead to tomorrow. You don't know that. God is not uh, allowed. He's not pulled back that curtain and allowed us to know everything he's got coming down the line uh, for us. But God says, but this blessing, ooh, this is my plan for my people. And if you claim this blessing, this is the blessing I get. This is the plan. This is a description of the destination to which he is planning to lead his people. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit. This blessing expresses God's plan for his people. So the first thing he says is, the Lord bless. Notice he repeats God's name three times. His personal name, the Lord, all capital letters in your Bible. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord repeated three times in this prayer. What does that say? Where does real blessing come from? It comes from one source. The real blessing. The real, what's this blessing talk? We might call it the good life. Where's the good life come from? Where's the blessed life come from? It comes from him and from him alone. Now, let me tell you something, especially young people. A thousand YouTubers do not know what the good life is. All your social media, Instagram influencers, they don't have a clue what the good life is. If you don't know God... If you don't have the blessing that comes from him, if you're not on his team blessing, you don't know the first thing about the good life. Don't waste my time with that stuff. You don't know what you're talking about. The only good life comes from knowing God. 
That's the first thing he says. The Lord bless thee. And look what else he says. And keep thee. What's it mean to keep something? It means to preserve it. Well, what's it mean to preserve something? To preserve something means you, you, you keep it sticking around a little bit longer. You hold on to it. You make sure it lasts another day. And then another day after that. And another day after that. So when uh, God says to his priests, you put this blessing on my people. My, what's my plan for my people? My plan is that they would be kept. That they'd be secure. That they wouldn't just be here today be my people today, but tomorrow they're not going to be my people no more. That they're going to disappear. They're going to fall off the map. That you're not going to be able to find them. No, my plan is that my people will always be my people on into eternity. That my people will always be my people. That they will be kept. Now, friend, this is the blessing that God invites his people to pray for. Now, think about that. How many of you got friends, follow Jesus for a little while, and they're gone? Right? They followed for a little bit, and then something happened, or they just kind of drifted away, and they're not following Jesus anymore. I got friends who have ruined ministries and families and marriages. They made shipwreck of their faith. Do you think those brothers were praying every day, God, keep me? No, they weren't. This is the prayer that God delights to answer. Friend, if you're like, I don't know what to pray about. Pray about this. Pray every day. Say, God, keep me. I don't want to make shipwreck of my faith. I don't want to be cast away. I don't want to follow you for a little while and not follow anymore. I want to be kept. Pray for that. Look at this next thing, though. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. I got weird now. What's it mean to have a face shining at somebody? Well, uh, we keep this a little bit in English where we talk about someone has a beaming smile. What's that mean? Whether you're just beaming at somebody. That means it's, it's, a, it's like a little, uh, it's a way of saying a smile. So when, when Moses, in his Old Testament Hebrew way, says, The Lord make his face shine upon thee, he means, May God smile at you. Now you say, What good is that? What good is God smiling at me going to do? I'll say, clearly you haven't had nobody smile at you in a little while, <laughs> right? Because isn't it true that somebody being surrounded by people who look at you and they're, they smile, they're happy to see you, that they're pleased with you, there's a delight in their face when they see you, that will do something for you. Some of the kids maybe just graduate. I don't know if there's any graduate, recent 2020 uh, graduates uh, in here. Uh, but if you graduated this year, maybe you graduated and you just saw your parents out there just smiling and beaming at you, right? What's that supposed to do? That's supposed to fill you up with a, a sort of a security. If some of y'all wrestle with self-esteem problems and depression, what's going on? You need somebody smiling at you, right? Now, here's the problem, right? We go to work. There's our boss frowning at us, right? And then we go home and our wife's frowning at us. And our neighbors are frowning at us, and our kids are frowning at us. And after a while, man, you're gonna, you're, you're, your spirits are going to start sinking down, right? But here's the thing. When you, when you meet the smile of God, you don't need to fear the frowns of this world, nor do you need to covet the smiles of this world. They can keep them. I got somebody smiling at me that means all the world. God, the smile of God on you is more life-giving and splendid than all the light of the sun on this earth. It's, it, it would do something for you like nothing else. The young people, you're trying to find all this, uh, you know, security and, and your worth and the, and the uh, opinions of other people and find the smile of God. I got to thinking the other, the other day, God created us. He could have created us any way he wanted to. 
he made us with faces. I wasn't smoking anything, right? I just was thinking. <laughs> he didn't have to make us with faces. I mean, he could have put our eyes on our kneecaps and our nose on our elbow or something like that. He could have done whatever he wanted, I guess. But he said, no, I'm going to put all this stuff right here. Now, why is, what's that for? What's a face for? You think of anybody's name, what do you immediately think of? You think of their, of their face, right? When you're talking to somebody, you generally look at their face. Isn't it, and what does that mean? A face is like, to, becomes pretty much the representation of that person. Uh, um, yeah, so why did God do that? Well, I think he was saying, I, um, this, is, this is who this person really is. And so when God uses this metaphor of a face, he's saying, this is the kind of relationship I want to have with you. I want to know who you really are. I want you to know who I really am. I want to know you in a face-to-face sort of way. God, it's a, a faces are for intense personal communion. And God says, that's my plan. Pray for that. Pray for me to smile at you because I want to smile at you. I want your life to be filled with my smile. I want you to be filled with the confidence that comes from knowing you're the object of my delight and the object of my affection. God says, that's what I want. I want you to have that security. I want you to have that life in you and that uh, worth and that security that comes from my smile on you. Look at the next thing. Lord, bless thee. Keep thee. Lord, make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. God says, what's my plan? What should you ask for? Ask for me to bless you. Ask for me to keep you. Ask for me to smile at you. Ask for me to be gracious to you. You know, a lot of us, we don't want God to be gracious to us. What we want is for him to give us what we deserve, doggone it. Because I know what I deserve. And I'm waiting for God to give me what I deserve. God says, that's wrong. That's not my plan for you. That's not what you need. In fact, if you ask God for what you deserve, there's a good chance you'll get that too. He says, no, my plan for my people is so much more. It's to be gracious. What's gracious by definition means God giving you what you don't deserve. God's plan. My plan isn't for you to get what you deserve. That's a terrible plan. My plan is to give you more than you deserve, to load you with my benefits. You only need me on your side. We could never merit anything from God, but that's what his plan is. Now look at the next thing. Be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. Oh, man, here we go. No more face stuff. Countenance is a face. And lift up his countenance to thee. Now what's that mean? That means turn his attention toward you. You know what my kids do all day long from morning until evening? They are calling me to lift up my countenance upon them. Dad, 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 check this out. Dad, why aren't you looking, dad? All day long. They say, dad, lift up thy countenance upon me. That's what they want. Well, what are they saying? Dad, pay attention. And God says, I want to pay attention. In other words, no, we say, and we time out for a second. Obviously, God's omniscient. So, um, we, have, we want God to pay attention to us for a slightly different reason. My kids want me to. My kids really believe if I don't turn my attention to them that I'm, I'm going to be ignorant of whatever they're doing, which is often the case. But, uh, but, but God is 100% aware of everything going on in your life, right? That's not just a his people thing. That's an everybody thing. God's aware of what's going on everywhere in every nook and cranny of this whole universe. So that's not what it's for. But, you know, sometimes we call for, somebody, for somebody's attention because we really want them to get involved, we really want them to intervene, right? How many got something going on right now in your life and you want God to intervene? You desperately want that. You want God to intervene. Well, you might try asking him to intervene. 
He says, I want to intervene. I want to be tuned in to what's going on in your life. So the Lord lifted up. He says, that's my plan. My plan is for my people to have this kind of a relationship with me. Ask me. Nothing in your life will escape my notice. And then last he says, Lord, lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And give thee peace. Now, when we think about peace, we think of like two countries that are not currently like shooting at each other. That's a peaceful relationship, right? And some of you, only by that definition do you live in a peaceful home, right? Nobody is like actively shooting at each other, right? (laughs) But that is not, but we all know you can have peace and not really have peace, right? And when the Hebrews use this word peace, they really meant like a full flourishing. We, We might almost use the word healthy, a full healthiness. That's the kind of peace. That's like for real peace. A for real peace where everything is thriving. Now, uh, uh, again, 2020 ought to teach us that God's plan is not for us to live a life free of conflict and uh, crisis. That's clearly part of God's plan, right? So don't think like someone made a wrong turn somewhere because look at our world. It's, look at us as Christians. We're, we're all suffering all kinds of different stuff. Clearly somebody made a wrong turn somewhere. No, not necessarily, it's clearly part of God's plan. And do you think 2021 is going to have its own challenges and obstacles and difficulties? Yeah, it will. That's part of God's plan for his people. So when he says here, the Lord give you peace, he doesn't mean may God take away each and every little thing that's going to make your life a little bit difficult. That's not, that's not what he's talking about at all. Now, if we think about that kind of a peace, this like flourishing, healthy, every, you know, all the gears are clicking sort of a, of a kind of a peace, we might think about a soldier. You can have a soldier in war who's at peace in this kind of way. He's at war. There's people shooting at him trying to kill him. But he's at peace, meaning he's healthy. He hasn't been hit yet. He's still standing somehow. He's ready to fight another day. He's a healthy, at-peace soldier. He's not falling apart. And that's, that's what this peace is all about. God give you peace. We know the children of Israel, they're about to get themselves in all kinds of wars and trouble. But God said, pray for this blessing that God will bring you into peace. And that's what his plan is for you. It doesn't mean there's not going to be conflicts and troubles and disasters and all sorts of suffering in the future. There will be. But his plan is to get you to the other side of that. His plan is to keep you standing somehow through all of that. And he says, pray for these things. Now, friend, are these the things that you pray for? Are these the kind of things that fill our prayers? It's pretty easy to fill our prayers up with a bunch of other stuff, isn't it? But God says, don't, don't miss out on these things. And this blessing, look how big this blessing is. Is this blessing just for what's going on in your life right now? No, 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 no. This is the big picture blessing. This is the blessing you don't want to miss out on. 1979. It's an archaeologist named uh, Gabriel uh, Barkai. And he was doing an excavation on the south side of Jerusalem. And they unearthed this uh, burial ground. Indiana Jones kind of stuff. And they honor this burial ground, and they get in there, and they find all these remains of these dead bodies. And they find, um, among the bodies, they found these two silver scrolls about the size of a cigarette. And they open up the scrolls, and what is written inside? The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. The dude is dead. And they buried him away from the light of the sun. And yet, there's still a hope that that blessing meant something. You could just bury him with that blessing. That blessing is still in effect. 
And that's true. This is a blessing that lasts beyond the confines of this life. God isn't in the business of just keeping you for this life. He's in the business of keeping you for eternity. Look at the last thing he says here in verse 27. They shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, what in the world does that mean? I'll put my name upon the children of Israel. Um, uh, To say put name on, that sounds a little bit like a tattoo, doesn't it? And that's kind of the idea. Notice that in the, uh, the blessing, it repeats the name of the Lord three times. It repeats his name. So when you would gather, and apparently the priests would read this blessing, they would gather at the temple to worship or whatever, and the priests would speak this blessing over the people. And as the name of the Lord kind of washed over you three times, it was almost like you were getting your tattoo filled in a little bit. Like it's starting to fade a little bit. So you would come back again and again and again. And you would speak. You have the name of the Lord spoken over you three times. What does that mean to have your name on somebody? What, what do you put your name on stuff? You've got tattoos or if you don't have tattoos. What, where do you put your name? On the stuff that belongs, that you own. The stuff that belongs to you, right? So what does it mean for, you to say, for God to say to the priest, you put my name on my people. He says, you call them to belong to me so that they are mine. Friend, you know this is where our blessing comes from, the Christians? Well, I've got this mixed up idea where we think, here's the way it works. Christianity, like other religions, says, if you're good, then you'll probably be blessed by God. And if you're not so good, well, then you probably won't be blessed by God. No, but the Christians say, we don't get blessed because we're good. We get blessed because we're God's. That's where our blessing comes from, because we belong to God. And that's what this was about. Every time they would gather there, they would say, say it again. Say that blessing again. Let that blessing come over me again. Let me hear the name of the Lord three times. For them to come out there and stand there, what's that saying? I'm willing. I want to belong to him. See, there was a lot of other gods out there on the market that the Israelites could have gone and looked for a blessing from this God, looked for a blessing from that God. But for every time they would gather in the temple and they'd say, say it again. Say that blessing again. Put that blessing on us. Let us hear that name again three times. What they're saying is, this is the God that we belong to. This is the God that we're looking for a blessing from. It's his blessing I'm looking for. I want his name. I want to belong to him. I want to be in this relationship with him. You know what we're doing at church every week? Gathering in here. What are we doing? We're we're hearing God's blessing spoken over us again. The blessed news of the gospel. We're hearing it again. You're hearing about God's intention to bless us once again. Uh, for those of you who are baptized, when you were baptized, somebody probably spoke the name of God over you three times too. And said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What are we saying when we say that? We're saying this person right here, guess who he belongs to? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the fact that you are willing to stand there in the water and have that name spoken over, you are saying, I'm willing to belong to him. I'm his. I'm writing his name on myself, and I belong to him from now on. And every time you come into church and sit in these pews and call yourself a Christian and you listen to the message of the gospel washing over you again, what you're saying is, I'm still willing to be his. I'm still willing to be his. I'm still willing to belong to him. Now, we got to be real careful here, friend, because uh, let me tell you, I think there's a problem we got with this passage, and passages like this in the Bible. Uh, I would call it maybe the indiscriminate blessing problem or the generic blessing problem or the Walmart brand blessing maybe. Okay. Um, uh, now, we, I, I think this is one of the greatest blunders that the church in general in this generation is committing. And I hope you won't be part of it and I hope I won't be part of it. 
And here's what it is. We give a misleading impression that God's blessings for his people are somehow going to be indiscriminately distributed to the general public. Friend, that ain't going to happen. God, this plan that we describe here, that God says this is my end game, this is my plan, this is where I'm taking my people, yeah, that's where he's taking his people. And if you don't belong to him, he ain't taking you there. So, uh, you know, let me give you, a, a, you know, an example of this. Uh, you know, right now, I told you there's a song. You guys heard that song? Before? There's a song from the lyrics of this. Oh, a great song. And uh, I've heard, uh, because of COVID and stuff like that, there's a lot of cities and areas that are obviously hit pretty hard. And I heard one from Malaysia. So there's a group of singers in Malaysia that are like, we're going to sing this song as a wish and as a blessing for the people of Malaysia. So they sing the song, and the lyrics are just this prayer here, and they sing the song, and they pray, God, bless Malaysia, God, keep Malaysia, God, cause your face to shine upon Malaysia. You might as well not even sing it, he's not going to do it. This is not the Malaysia blessing. This is not the America blessing. This is not the Taiwan blessing. This is the God's people blessing. It's God's people that are in on this plan. And think of it, if, if, if we just had um, friends here today, if you're not a Christian, you know, we love you. We're very glad that you're here to hear this message of God's plan to bless his people. But if you just came in here, we were like, listen, and you hear stuff like this all the time. Man, God's got a good plan for you. God loves you. God's, uh, God's on your side. He's for you. You just keep trusting in him. He's going to cause all your bad stuff to work together for good. That, that would be extremely misleading. But some of us, because of our, the things that we're sharing on social media and some of the stuff even that we as preachers say sometimes, we can give that misleading impression that God's blessings are just somehow in the end, they're just going to kind of be divided up between all the people that happen to be on the world at the time. That's not the case at all. God says, this blessing is for my people, for the people who say, that's the blessing I want. That's the God I want. That's the God I want to belong to. And I call his name over myself and I declare that I belong to him. I declare that I belong to him. Now, this is a great thing about God's blessing. Something you can learn from this passage is that this is how God operates with his grace. He makes it close to us. Some of us got this idea that God's like, I got this great blessing, but I really don't want to give it to you. You're going to have to earn it. Do something cool. Do something nice. Do something holy. And then maybe I'll give you the blessing a little bit. No, no, no. The Bible says God is far more eager to bless us then we are willing to receive a blessing from him. You know the illustration that Jesus used? Jesus says it's like a rich guy who made a big old banquet, and he went out and invited a bunch of people, and they all just turned him down. It is astounding to me. It is astounding to me the number of brothers and sisters that I meet who would say I am desperate for God's blessing in my life. I am eager to receive a blessing from God and yet they don't seem to have any idea where to find the blessing at. It's like they're sitting at home, you know, they're in a, they're in a bad mood, they didn't make it to church, and you're like, what are you in a bad mood? Yeah, I'm in a bad mood, just waiting for God to bless me. Like, the, the blessing's over there. This is a, this is a wonderful thing about, about uh, God's um, grace that he gives to us, is he puts it in a real predictable place. He's not playing hide-and-seek with you. God's like, I've, I've hidden five very special blessings in Ohio somewhere. Go find them. That's not what he's done. He's like, come to the place where the grace is at. And a guy will get up with my word and he will proclaim the blessing that I give to my people in the name of Jesus Christ, my son. And you're like, well, you know, 
I got a lot going on on the weekends. Like, you don't want God's blessing at all. Don't talk to me about you care about God's blessing. You don't care about God's blessing. It's not a treasure hunt. It's not an obstacle course. God's not committing random acts of kindness. He furnishes a banquet for us in the preaching of his word and in the ordinances of his church. Now, last, last thing I want to show you here. Maybe, maybe second to last. Second to last, yes. Uh, how does this blessing work? Let me show you a couple things about the way this blessing works real quick. Is this like a thing, like I can get, I can get together, me and Jeff, and I can be like, okay, Jeff, I'll, I'm going to speak the blessing to you. I'm going to speak this blessing over you. Now you turn and speak the blessing over me. We do a hundred times, we get a hundred reps in, and we'll be super, super blessed. <laughs> like, that's, that is not the way it works. This blessing was not for, you know, find some dude in Israel who read this blessing over you. It was the priest. You had to go find the right dude. You had to go find the priest who had the power to bless. Remember we were saying earlier, like, who has the power to speak words and make it happen? God gave the priest. He said, you find my priest, and if my priest speaks these words over my people, you better believe it's going to come true because I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to what my priest says. God gave some special individuals the job of putting his name on his people. Now that shows that we weren't able to win a blessing by ourselves. But here's what happened in Israel's history, right? Israel, if you study Israel's history, what do you find out happened with their priests? It kind of went downhill pretty quick. And pretty soon you couldn't find a faithful priest in the bunch. Well, what are you going to do? Here's God's people. They, they, they need that blessing. That's God's plan. They need to get that blessing. But what are you going to do if God's plan to administer that blessing all of a sudden isn't showing up for work? If all of a sudden the priest is not fit to speak the blessing, if the priest himself no longer speaks the name of God and no longer belongs to God, what are you going to do about it? Is God's blessing program just going to like fall to pieces? Oh, no. Because God had another priest up his sleeve. He had a plan for a greater priest who would come and speak the ultimate word of blessing to God's people. See, Israel, they took a lot of blessing, like preliminary courses, but Jesus came with the master course on blessing. Jesus came to school us in blessing and let us know what blessing is really all about. And man, Jesus, what a priest. What a priest to bless us. You know, Jesus, Jesus his whole life was one of blessing. Put up in Matthew, you get to the Sermon on the Mount. What's, what's Jesus' mouth full of? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. What's Jesus? Jesus, I've come, I've come to speak a blessing. I've come to speak a blessing. They bring little children to Jesus. Why? So he bless them. In Acts chapter 3, it says that the Lord sent his son to us to bless his people by turning them from sin. If you turn the last page of your Bible, Revelation 22, Last page, the last words of Jesus in the Bible, in Revelation 22, what's he saying? Blessed are, blessed are. Don't, don't make me say, this is the blesser. This is the ultimate blesser. This is the last one, the ultimate one. This is the priest that won't fail. So you got, you got, you got a, you know, two options. You either come before Jesus and say, I want to belong to you. I want to take your name. I want your name written on my, on my life. I want, you to, I, want to, I want to belong to you. I want the blessing that you provide and no other blessing that this world can offer. I want the blessing that comes from you. Or you, you turn away and you turn away from blessing forever. Now we all think about, uh, you know, Jeff and I were talking about this this morning. We all think about um, 
the judgment that someday we will face um, at the end of our lives. And we'll stand before God one day. And we often think of that's the day you're going to be in trouble. Because there's all this stuff you were supposed to do, all these duties you were supposed to do, and you didn't do them, and now you're going to be in trouble. Let me tell you, if you're not a believer, you don't belong to, to Jesus. On that day, I want you to understand the shame of that. On that day, you will not only have to, you will not say just, oh, God wanted me to do a bunch of stuff and I wasn't good enough for him. He had all these expectations of me and I didn't meet his expectations. No, you will stand there and look like the greatest fool in history. You will say, he wanted to bless me. And I said, no. I said, I have Instagram. You're going to say, no, I had a dumb friend. You're like, what? That, that it's the ultimate um, fool's bargain. Um, now, let me show you one, the last thing I'm going to show you, the really the last thing. You know, when you look at um, what, what's this, what kind of transformation does this bring in a person's life when you become a person who's blessed, when you're on team blessing, when you're one of the friends, you can say, listen, I, I belong to God. His name is on my life. So I know where I'm headed. I'm headed for his face shines upon me land. I'm headed for peace land. I'm, he I'm headed for kept forever land. I'm headed for uh, blessing land. That's where I'm going. I know that's where my, where my destination is. I know that through all the craziness of 2020, through everything else that's in front of me, I know that's where, our, that's where I'm headed. What does that do to a person? Like, what, what's, what kind of effect is that going to have in your life? Y'all ever seen, the, uh, seen that musical, Les Miserables, or maybe you've read the Maybe you've read the book if you did your homework. I read the book because I was, I was told it was good. It was good. So, you know, but if you've seen even the, the, the Wolverine version, then you know that uh, <laughs> yeah, then you know that it's about this criminal in France named Jean Valjean, and, and he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a prisoner for 19 years for a very small offense. And during 19 years, he's subjected to all sorts of brutality and hardness, and he's hated by everybody in his society. And after 19 years of that, by the time he gets out, he's like, I am done with this world. And when he comes out, he is just a, like a little ball of hatred and anger and bitterness and re thoughts of revenge. And he comes out there saying, I'm at war with the world, and I'm going to hurt as many people in this world as I can, and I don't care about it. I, you don't understand the pain that I've been through. And he's filled with this hatred and bitterness, and he's declaring war on the world. And then famously, there's this scene where he meets this little priest who blesses him, who shows grace and mercy to him, showers him with these unbelievable gifts. And it, it, he doesn't even know what to do with it. And he's transformed by that. Um, and what the priest says to him, he gives him all this stuff, he showers him with all these blessings, and the priest says to him, I have bought your soul to turn it over to God. And he's got this war with him because after that he has this like, like psychological conflict because he says, like, my plan was to go to war with the world. But he says, I know that if I accept this gift, that means I have to give up my war in the world. I have to give up my hatred. I have to give up my bitterness. And I have to live from now on, I have to live a life of love and blessing other people. See, that's the choice. If you, if you choose to be the person who, totally undeserving, receives this mountain of grace, mountain of blessing, mountain of undeserved benefits from God, if you hear the words of your Savior, Jesus Christ, speak to you from the cross and say, I have bought your soul to belong to God forever. 
And you've got the same choice. You say, now I either hold on to my war against the world, hold on to my bitterness and my anger and all the things I'm mad about in the past. Or you say, from now on, I live a life of loving and blessing other people as I have been blessed. So if you're a Christian, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm one of the blessed ones. I got his name on me. Then how come you're still so angry? How come you're still so bitter? How come you're still at war? How come there's so many things you can't get over? What, 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 what that's showing is you haven't really heard the words from the cross yet that say, you're mine. You're mine. I have bought you. You belong to me from now on. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams both now and forevermore. Let's pray and thank God for his blessing. Our Father, we thank you that your plan for blessing us so far exceeds, so far surpasses all that we could ask or think. In our wildest dreams, we would never have come up with a grace or a kindness or a blessing as extravagant as the one that you've lavished upon us in your Son. For those of us today who are your people, I pray that you would help us to see how unreasonable our bitterness, our anger, and our hatred, our war against the world, our grudges, our misery, our unhappiness, our grouchiness, how unbecoming it is of a person who's received such rich blessings from you. Help us to give that up today. As you have blessed us, so make us a blessing in other people's lives. Make us a channel of your blessing to other people. Help us to live life from today on, a life of love and blessing, because we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to you. Father, there are perhaps friends amongst, among us today, and we love them and we pray for them. They don't belong to you. They have nothing to do with this blessing. Their path is a different path. And we ask today that they would that they would come, that they would take your name upon themselves. They would cast themselves upon our Savior, your Son, the great blesser, our great priest, who speaks the blessing that can never be erased and will never fade. It's in his name we pray. Amen.